Welcome to All Out Living, the podcast dedicated to providing you tools, information, advice, motivation, and much, much more in the areas of fitness, health, wellness, and style, helping you live an all-out life. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Orange Theory Fitness, Brownsville, home of the best one-hour workout in fitness. Orange Theory, a one-hour full-body workout, heart rate-based interval training, if you're looking for accelerated results, go see our friends at Orange Theory. Keep burning. Welcome to the first ever premiere episode of All Out Living. Super excited to launch our new podcast. I want to introduce my co-host, Miss Jamie, the boss. Lucio, say hello. Hello, I'm very excited to be here. Um, I think this is long overdue for our area, so I'm super excited to be a part of it, and I can't wait to deliver some great all-out living. Well, thank you for letting us do it. You're the brains behind the operation. We just do what we're told. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So, a little bit about wh why we're doing this. Uh, I had to give props to my friend Gaspar Hernandez. As a birthday slash Christmas gift, he invited us to a conference. Uh, a National Achievers Conference in Houston not too long ago. Amazing line of speakers, lineup of speakers. Uh, I have a new hero, a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary spoke very passionately about how important social media and modern communication is for a catalyst as your business. And that was the reason, the inspiration for All Out Living. So uh, Gary V, you're big time. You are the guru of social media, but you know we're reaching for the stars. We're gonna have you on the show one day, Gary. So uh, we're gonna learn this craft a little bit better. And when you come on, you're gonna help us kill it. All right, so we hope to do this weekly, sharing stories about our guests who have been there, done that in the areas of health, fitness, wellness. We're gonna also try to broach style a little bit. Why not? We'll Why do not? our best. There you go, you got lots of style. You should have seen me before. Uh, you got your hands on me and taught me how to dress, so thank you for that. Um, so, getting fit, staying fit is hard, uh, challenging, but, and, but rewarding. Uh, we want to provide you with resources, motivation, different things you need to live an all-out life. So, here we go. We have our first guest, Jeremy Ragin' Cajun Brute. Bergeau. I always mess that up, man. That's Come all right. On. I think Bergeau. I work out too much. Bergeau. Uh, you're a good friend, and we're excited to have you here, a member of uh, what we're all huge fans of, Orange Theory Fitness. But but honestly, man, uh, I'm a fan of yours. Thank I, you. Uh, I'm, uh, you know, you're, I have a kind of a man crush on you, but don't tell my wife. That's okay. Uh, That's okay. We so won't it, say anything. I won't you know, tell And I have like, you know, Gary, I just mentioned Gary's, you know, I have a man crush on, on Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, Mark Wahlberg, Mario Lopez. You don't look anything like Mario Lopez, but. You're in good company, Jeremy. I yeah. am. Who doesn't love Slater, man? Come on, Saved by the Bell. Uh, made me part of who I am today. But, but in all honesty, for those that are just listening uh, via podcast, you are a model of fitness, man. You, you look like you're, you're chiseled out of stone. Uh, so uh, props to you for that. Soft, soft stone. Soft <laughs> <really>? stone. <laughs> uh, uh, granite, what do you think, Jamie? Granite? Uh, I mean, marble, I would say. This, I mean, you can't see him, but it's pretty impressive you guys are making me blush and I don't <laughs> blush uh, so you were here specifically because we want to dig in deep into what it takes to be an Ironman you are an Ironman you're a decorated endurance athlete you're, you're a big deal especially in this region regarding racing and triathlons and bike races and runs uh, so we're going to, I think that that's special to be an endurance athlete, to train, uh, at that level and compete at that level and do as well as you had, you really have to be special. So, but before we go there, we want to learn a little bit about you and what is it, what does it take to make, a, an extreme athlete? Like exactly. Yourself? Sure. Exactly. Like, were you born this way? Did you just come out of the womb swimming? Where were you born? Uh, I'm from Lafayette, Louisiana, a little town about an hour and a half west of New Orleans. I'm the youngest of seven. We were a lower middle-class family um, growing up. As far as athleticism, wasn't athletic as a child. Mm -hmm. Far from it. I played a I little bit of baseball, a little bit of baseball, but it was one of those everybody makes the team mm -hmm. kind of things. So that's where I'm from, and 
I moved here for, for work. I have a bachelor's of science and criminal justice. I work for the federal government as a law enforcement agent. And is that like where you can't tell us any more than just that? <laughs> I've told you too much already. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, so we'll delete that. We'll, we'll edit that. Edit, out of that. Okay. Edit, edit. I think you. it's interesting that you that you weren't athletic as a child. I think most people automatically assume that someone who is as athletic as you are now, you must have had some, uh, you know, some experience with it when you were a child or in high school, and that's just not true for you. Not true for me. Very little, actually. I come from a very non-athletic family. My mother is five foot zero and a half. Um, I don't get my height from her. <laughs> and my siblings weren't very into sports. Um, so no, it, do, it doesn't come, it doesn't come naturally from the family. Mm -hmm. You know, that is encouraging to hear because you, you think that as people achieve success in sports at, at an older age, that they were just born naturally good at what they're doing at their sport, uh, you know, in, endurance racing, uh, but, but you were athletic. I saw you in the gym, but, but that's something you develop later on. So that's very encouraging. You know, part of what we're doing here is try to inspire people that no matter what stage you are in life, that starting a fitness journey, a wellness journey is possible. And I did not actually know you weren't athletic as a kid until we asked this question live on this podcast. So uh, it makes me feel there's hope uh, for me too. Uh, now, so, I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be realistic. Oh here. man! So hey, you just got married. Congratulations! Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. It, it was a long time coming. Woman. Long time coming. Yeah. Uh, you like in married life? I do. I do. It, it really didn't change much. Again, Christina and I were together for about five and a half years before we got married. Mm -hmm. So nothing much has changed. Nothing much has changed at all. So I knew your wife before I knew you. Uh, I don't remember her being uh, an endurance athlete. I think that's something you got her into huh she was getting into it about the same time that we met we met right before her first triathlon she was training for for a short triathlon I had already started training for about a season and a half already and we just meshed and it's all it's all history as they say how important was it that you had her along for your journey with you extremely important extremely important I, I feel that you always need someone in your corner in someone someone supporting you and giving you motivation and telling you hey you can do this mm -hmm. even when you're doubting yourself someone behind you in your corner saying you got this you can do it don't stop is extremely important that, that, that applies across life right across life not whether, Everything whether you're you training for an iron man or just waking up and going to work exactly you know we share something in common we marry good women we did so, all right. So let's start from the beginning. Uh, uh, Jamie, I think we should, we should ask him, if you agree, uh, when you started working out. When and what was the decision? You're like, you know what? I'm going to walk into a gym. When did that happen? I tell you what, I have a picture to show you guys. Oh. And I know, and I, know I, I apologize I to all the listeners. This. Is it going to be awesome? Is it going to be like you looking like uh, Eddie Murphy from Nutty Professor? Well, we've got Professor? to figure out a way to share this with oh, the man. listeners. Yeah. This was me looking like Uncle Fester. Uncle Fester. Before I started. <laughs> no. Yes, sir. Jeremy, is this this is real? That's real. Oh my gosh! Yeah. That's the realest of the real. So there was some chiseling. There's some a stuff ton. that came off that stone, baby. It, it yeah. wasn't hammer and chisel. There okay. was a jackhammer going on. <laughs> what What do you weigh in that picture? Right there, I weighed about 235 pounds. What do you wow. weigh today? Today, I'll be about 175. My goodness. Solid. 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 Yeah, I mean, you're, you're single-digit body fat. Yes. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Well, again, hope, Yeah. right? Uh, it's one thing to have guests that, that, you know, were starting center at three years old on their Little League team. There's another one who said, no, I, I walked in because I had concerns about my fitness, right, about my health. And so I tell what? you what, seeing this picture, looking at it, I didn't realize how much I had let myself go. This was not power lifting. This was not, I played football in high school and then went on to college and just stopped working out and, and lost a bunch. This was eating horribly, not being active whatsoever. I mean, if you guys want to hear my typical Whataburger order. Yes, after, I want to hear it, please. After, we all, I think the, the listeners want to hear it too. This is after a full day of eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, going out to a nightclub or bar with friends during college, triple meat, triple cheese, what a meal, what a sized with a side order of large onion rings, a bacon, egg and cheese taquito, and get this, a diet Dr. Pepper. Of course, 
because I was watching my girls. <laughs> Absolutely. And they taste better. And they do. They do taste better. I, so, I, I had that same problem. I'm pretty sure that's about a day and a half worth of calories just for one person. And that was after eating throughout the day. Wow. What would happen to your stomach if you ate that right now? I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't think anybody in this room wants to know. Wow. So what was the turning point? You know, I, I see this picture of you. It seems like you existed this way for a while. At what point did you look at yourself in the mirror and say, okay, I'm going to do something about it? When I saw this picture, it was, a, it was a few months after the picture was taken that I actually saw it. And I said, wow, I'm going to either die very young or have tons of complications for the rest of my life. And I just decided I can't live like this because I'm not going to live very long if I keep keep down this path. And that's what did it. That's what did it. My my own, I guess, mortality, I guess you could say, came knocking. And I, I thought to myself, I can't, I can't keep going the way I'm going. You know, that's interesting because you're, you know, from our conversation preparing for the podcast, it seems that you had that realization in college. Not a lot of college students think about that. I think, you know, in my own experience, I, I started working out at the state, same stage in my life, but it was more vanity than anything. So yours was more like, I care about my long-term health. That's a mature mindset for a 21, 22-year-old. And I, I will, I'll be honest, there were, there were some vanity to it. I mean, looking at a picture like that and realizing, wow, I really am overweight, I really am unhealthy. There, there's something to be said about the vainness of yeah. looking at yourself in the mirror. Hey, man, whatever it takes, right? Yeah. Whatever the yeah. fuel is. Mm -hmm. So what was the first step? What was the first thing you did? I mean, like, what were the... I'm sure there were there have been a lot of gyrations of your fitness. So what was the first thing you stepped into? The first thing I did was I cleaned up my eating. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure if I did it the healthiest way, but I cut back calories big time. I didn't go to fast food restaurants. I stopped eating fatty foods, greasy foods. I started eating more fruits and vegetables, mm -hmm. proteins, and walked my way into a gym, didn't know anything about any of the machines that were there, didn't know how to lift weights properly, and got on an elliptical machine and decided I'll do this for an hour. Did that for an hour, came back the next day, another hour. The next day, another hour, and so on, until it just blossomed into learning how to lifting excuse me learning how to lift weights learning how to use the machines and that's where that's where it yeah. kind of blossomed from there wow i think that's extremely encouraging because it's you know i think so many people that they, they see you you're an athlete i mean there, there's no doubt about it and just to think that you started the same way elliptical everybody machine. starts the elliptical right? machine. That's, that's i went how, in there and started moving five plates you know yeah, i mean that, that's how or six that's plates how, five plates would be uneven but yeah. i was moving five <laughs> plates of food before i walked in there that's what I'm talking about. so uh you know it's interesting you started with the diet side and even after years of eating healthy uh, i still found it a challenge to learn what to eat so uh, was it something you said okay i'm actually going to research this or you're like look it's common sense no fried fruits no fast foods i'm going to eat clean fruits vegetables and protein i mean was it just a, a kind of an initial first step initially it was common sense it was french fries are no good um sweets are no good fatty foods are no good i, I mean i just Right. Kind of by common sense. Well, okay, so was it a, this is a come to Jesus moment, I'm all in, or you're like, I, I'm just going to start making little adjustments and see where this goes? 100% all in. Oh. It was jumping off of a cliff and not looking back or reaching for a parachute. It was all in. That's awesome. Awesome. I, I think that's what I've seen, uh, what it takes. You, to casually go into a fitness jersey, jersey, journey uh i think you'll have a lot of setbacks if, if you get there you burn the ships and you're like we're just gonna have to make it work and i'm all in and this is do or die everything is dependent on this becoming a reality i, I i've seen what do you think Jenny? yeah I, I agree i think when people fail to meet their goals i i think that that's probably the biggest thing is they've kind of just walked into them instead of said i'm just tired of this i'm sick of it and i'm going to achieve it no matter what 
And so that's, you know, I think that that's just uh, amazing feedback and it's also just a uh, clarification, I guess, that that's what people need to do. They need to make that decision and stick to it. And there were setbacks. Yeah. There were setbacks along the way. There were days where I got tired of eating tuna or I got tired of eating, you know, insert healthy food here. (laughs) And I would fall off the wagon. I mean, I think, I think no one's perfect. So uh, I want to let people know if you're, if you're starting on a fitness journey, expect a few setbacks, but don't give up. That's where, that's where people make the mistake. They, they have a setback and that setback turns into a six month layoff of eating healthy or hitting the gym or whatever they're doing to try to make themselves healthier. You'll have setbacks. Just don't get defeated by them. So this other author I really like, Darren Hardy, says, you're developing habits uh, whether you're doing something or not doing something, right? So exactly. You're developing the habit to work out if you're working out, and if you're not working out, you're developing the habit to be live a sedentary lifestyle. So, okay, you're, you're working out, you're, you're doing one hour a day. Um, how quickly do you see results? Uh, uh, you're a young guy. I'm assuming the results were, were faster than if we were doing it now at our age. But uh, tell me how you went from, oh, I'm going in, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm getting on the treadmill to, I'm transitioning to weights to, oh, let me try a 5K. I mean, how did that transition take place? The transition didn't really go that way. I started with the cardio, started with the eating habits, and I dropped 65 pounds over the course of four months. My goodness. Wow. Um, And then I started, I I bought a book. I believe I bought LL Cool J's Guide to Workout. I can't remember the exact title of the book. (laughs) Whatever works. that's what I bought. Mama said knock you out. Mama said knock you out. Oh my gosh. I love LL. I was going back to Cali with LL. (sighs) And his workout regime. You just made my night, buddy. I'm, I'm so gonna listen happy. to LL I'm on the so way happy. home. You should, because I'll be working out every day, thinking about you. Yes. Yes. All right. Okay. So you listen. You're reading LL. You lose 65 pounds. Amazing transformation. Then what happens? Then I just keep on doing that same routine, routine, routine over and over again. I, I get my current position. I moved down to Brownsville and but, I but get, hold on. You, you said when you walked into the gym, you didn't know anything about the weights, right? Car, you know, cardio machine, you can figure out. So, and, cause that's, that's huge, right? Open gyms, especially there's a sea of equipment. There's usually a bunch of people and it's, there's this intimidation. Like, what do I do? How many sets do I do? Um, how do I vary my exercises? Did, did you start reading about that? Did you hire a trainer? Did you just experiment? I didn't hire a trainer. I, again, I bought that book, and there were some pretty good images on how to lift the weights and what exercises to oh, do. Oh, so it's a how-to book. It's, a, it's pretty book. much a how-to book. Um, I subscribe to Men's Health, and the, every Men's Health magazine, I'm not sure if you're familiar, but they always have this fold-out poster that's like the workout of the month or the workout of the six weeks. And I would follow that you know, pretty regularly. So that's how I never, I never really hired a trainer or asked anybody, Hey, how do I do this? How do I lift this? Just kind of went at it on my own. That's awesome. I just, I find it fascinating. I just, I mean, you sound like uh, everybody that I've ever talked to about how they got into fitness. And so it's just, it's just very interesting to me that to hear this backstory from you. So, um, so how did you get into the racing aspect? So now you're fit. How did, how did the racing, the running and swimming and everything come into play? Racing came out of boredom. I transitioned. There was a big transition in my life. I moved from Lafayette to Missouri to Georgia to Brownsville all within a year and a half. I got my new, my new job, and I was here in Brownsville, didn't know anybody, and I got really bored. And I was seeing online, I would go to menshealth.com, and the craze was half marathons. Everybody was running half marathons. And you get a medal, and there's bands, and there's a big start line and a big finish line. So I said, you know what? That's what I want to do. That's going to keep me motivated. Because I was, I was honestly getting into a rut of, okay, I'm going to the gym on Monday, and I'm working out my chest. I'm going to the gym on Tuesday, and I'm working out this. And We've it, all been it, there. It, the, uh, it just got very boring. So I said, I need something to keep my attention. So I, on a whim, signed up for the Austin Half Marathon. In, it was 
the half marathon was in 2000, February, 2010. I started training in August of 2009 and I had never run a 5k, never run a 10k. So why not? Let's just do so a half let's marathon. Let's just jump into a half <laughs> Skip marathon. Skip it. Right. Yeah. Who needs progression? No, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, right. I dated my wife for uh, six months when we got married. Right. Just go at it. Just go at it. Yeah. Hey, there's yeah. Why wait? Yeah. Um, and as far as training, I knew nothing about running, knew nothing about running shoes. I bought my first pair of shoes at Academy. Didn't know anything about specialty running stores. Started running two times a week. Then I bumped it up to three times a week. I didn't even have a running watch. Everybody has now a computer on their arm that tells you how far you're going, how many steps you've taken. I had a stopwatch, basically, one of the watches that just starts and stops, and map my run online. So I would go out and run, come back home, put it in a map my run to figure out how long I'd run, in a calculator to figure out how fast <laughs> I'd run or how slow, yeah. and went at it from there. That how did you do my, in that first race? I did well. I did well. I enjoyed myself. Yeah. I really enjoyed myself because yeah. crossing the finish line sparked it all. Mm-hmm. Crossing that finish line sparked everything that you know about me, about mm-hmm. triathlons and racing and marathons and full Ironman and half Ironman. Everything under the sun as far as racing came from that finish line. You put on that medal for the first time. You're like, uh-oh. Yes. You got, you got bit by that bug. I got ravaged by yeah. that bug. Yeah. Was, it the, was it the the bling? Was it the metal? It was the sense of accomplishment. Yeah. It was yeah. the sense of, I started out doing this. I conquered it. I want more. Now I want more. Yeah. I was hungry. Hungry like you couldn't even believe it. So uh, you were there for my first half, which I did not train for. Uh, and you're like, oh, you're fit. You'll, you'll be okay. <laughs> but you, you, you were joking with me about what I should do at the end of the race in terms of either wait for my wife to cross the finish line. <laughs> and so I said, hey, you know, you're a little faster than, than your girlfriend. Uh, what do you do after the race? You're like, oh, I walk back to the hotel and take a shower. And then I kind of mosey on back and see if she's finished or not. I, I, I wait around. But you were kidding. Totally kidding. Yeah. 100% So you wait at the finish line for your loved one to finish so that you can have this great moment of accomplishment. So my wife and I are running our first race together i asked you the night before you're messing with me i'm gullible i take you seriously so i finish my race and i go back to the the room and my wife finishes and she calls me she's like hey where are you i said oh i'll be right back i went to the room you're like you got me in so much trouble man that was expensive i ran into you as you were making your way back to the finish line and the look of sheer terror on your face yeah was palpable. Yeah, that that cost me jewelry and a purse. I appreciate that, brother. You're welcome, Jamie. Yeah, your bill, will, yeah. your your bill will be in the mail. Okay, so uh, you're bit by the bug, right? And so. Well, let me. I want to ask. Yeah. You, okay. What, so your first race, we know how fast you run now. What what was your time for that first race? The first race was 140 and change, nice. if I'm not mistaken, wow. for the first half. I wow. think it was somewhere along lines of seven minutes something per mile. So that was that part marathon. of the bug was that you had never realized how fast you were and you realized this was something you were really good at? I didn't even realize that that was fast yeah. or even remotely fast at the time. Mm-hmm. I you just, didn't have, nobody was telling you? No I'm one sure. was telling me. I was training pretty much on my own. Mm-hmm. I you're talking about gullible i convinced somebody else in my office to sign up and i met him at the finish line i didn't go take a shower i met him at the finish line and he said never again 100 percent never again he did not enjoy it one bit but i was training pretty much by myself for that so so the the mindset in that first one you're like was it just finish or you're like i want to finish as quickly as possible the first one was just finish the first one was just never again i just want to cross the finish line yeah and after that you're like no i want to get good after that i saw the potential that people have to train for these races and the links that they go to to get faster and i said that's what i want i want something that's going to stoke my fire and make me get up and train make me get up and train hard so you know i have kids and one of the things I hope for in their future is that they're just passionate about something. I don't care what it is. I really don't. If they want to be jugglers, that'd be awesome, whatever. But I want them to be passionate about it to where they're reading about it, they're studying how to be better at it. They want to go to the National Jugglers uh, Convention 
and, and subscribe to Juggling Weekly and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 and I and I see I, that I think that's fascinating. I don't I don't care what someone's passionate about when they're really passionate about it and they're all out. Plug name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. All out. Um, I, I admire that and I want to learn all about it. So that's actually what got me to want to do my first half. I was like, man, these guys, they love it. Maybe there's something to it. I want to experience it. I want a taste of it. So I appreciate that passion. Okay, so you're an Ironman. Tell me what an Ironman is. An Ironman is a long-distance triathlon. Basically, it's 140.6 miles of swimming, biking, and running. Um, I fall asleep driving that far. Right? Yeah, that's insane. So, so wait, wait, hold on. Let me, let's slow this down. 2.4 mile swim. Yes. Right. Right. Okay. That's a long way for a swim. It's, it's a start. long way for a swim. Most people start. go to sleep just mm-hmm. after that first mm-hmm. leg, right? Then 112 miles on a bike. I think that's the most daunting. Yeah. When you're looking at a triathlon, it's, wait a minute, I have to hit triple digits riding a bicycle. Mm-hmm. That's the most daunting to me. And your reward at the end of those first two legs is, is a, a full marathon. <laughs> and you're like, oh, obviously this is something I want to do. That's a little bit insane, man. A little bit. Yeah. I so, still think it is. You know, you know the, the, the history of the first marathon? You know the, the whole story behind it? The, uh, the Greek, Greek runner. Right. Yes. And he died at the end of that run, right? <laughs> he keeled you over. You added yeah. two legs to that. Yeah, why not? Uh, so wait, I guess first of all, how many yeah. have you done? How many Ironmen have you completed? I've now? completed three. Three, three full Irons. And how many halves? Halves, five or six. Wow. I've kind of lost count on those. Yeah. And how many races? Like oh, man. five Ks, ten Ks. Oh man, in the yeah. teens, twenties. What do you do with the medals? What do I do with the medals? Yeah, I hang them up on my wall. You hang them up on your wall. And you Talk have about a, vanity. And you have a metal Christmas tree, if I'm not mistaken. We did. We did a metal Christmas tree for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. yeah, that's very cool. Okay. So, <laughs> what happens on a 112-mile bike ride when you have to go to the bathroom? A lot of planning. <laughs> what is so, that So, there are obviously aid stations on the bike. And so, they're about every 10, 15 miles, you have an aid station. It's got a, you know, portable toilet. And you just pull over. There's a volunteer there that will hold your bike for you. And you take care of business. And you get back to going. Okay. Now on the run, uh, I'm and I'm not too embarrassed to say that I have just go baby just went just while I'm running. Wow! Actually, the first time I the first time I ran and I told myself I wasn't going to mention his name in this podcast, but Mike G and I were running the New Orleans Half Iron in 2015, I think it was, and my run was going stellar. And I just, I had to go number one and I had to go really bad. And I knew if I didn't go, I was going to suffer. So I didn't want to stop. My time was on point. So I just grabbed a couple of sponges. They have these ice water sponges that you can grab, squeeze the sponge on my chest and started to go right there as I was running. (laughs) Wow. Jamie, you, you're hardcore. You would do that, right? Oh yeah. You know, totally. Uh, but I do want to ask, I'm sure you see people that participate in these races are extreme individuals. They go to extreme lengths to train. W- what are some of the craziest things you've seen or maybe maybe not that kind of thing, but maybe injuries or just training method- methodologies that you've seen that you think are just would be an interesting story? I think some of the training that we've actually done is totally most people would consider insane we got up one morning and we all got on our bike trainers which is make sure mobile bike a stationary bike and we rode for six straight hours in a garage oh my gosh while watching various crappy television well we're, we're gonna get to that because this is all a teaser to get to the meat of what i hope to share with our listeners is how you stay motivated, right? How sure. you survive the training, right? Because look, the race is just today. Uh, uh, yeah, it's a blink of an eye, right? Right. It, it's all the preparation. We always see the celebration, right? You know, uh, Peyton Manning uh, in the end zone winning the Super Bowl, but there's so much hard work that goes into that. So I want to get into that. But look, the thing that scares me the most is a swim in, in a triathlon, and uh, especially open water swims. 
Is, is, is any interesting stories about an open water swim? The only time I've ever been nervous or ever been freaked out, I guess, for lack of a better term, swimming open water, Christina and I had gone up to Pflugerville, Texas, and they have this really nice man-made lake, and it's got a running trail around it. It's perfect for tri training, except we went in the off season, and there is this type of weed that grows up from the bottom of the lake, and they don't trim it until people are going to go out and normally swim there. And so we take off and we're swimming and I get tangled up in this weed and I feel like this weed is going to pull me down to the bottom of the lake. Of course, I know that little shop of horror style, right? little shop of horror style. <laughs> feed me, Seymour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feed big me. Time, big time. And I flip over on my back and Christina's swimming right next to me. And I said, I am freaking out. <laughs> I hightail it back to shore and I cut my swim off for that day. I've, that's the only time I've ever been freaked out in the in the water. Wow. And I've swam in the Gulf side. I've swam in the bay side of South Padre Island. I've swam in multiple lakes, multiple different water conditions. And that's the only time I've well, ever you been know, freaked out. Tens of thousands, if not millions of people die from shark attacks during triathlons every year, right? Something like that. No. no. I okay. call BS okay. on that statistic. Ooh. Okay, so let me emphasize something before we get into the training. And, and you know, I, I, I got to just give a, a little shout out. We have Mike G in the house. Mike G. What's up? Begging for a mic. So I, we were going to get him a toy mic and say it was live and just watch him go at it trying to participate. But uh, we only have three mics. It's, it's a low-budget show at this point. Maybe in the future we're going to make a guest appearance. But what, before we get into the training, you, you know, we, we've casually said that you do triathlons. But you're really good, man. You're really good. If you, walk, if you go into a bike shop in South Texas, uh, you, you, you talk to folks from... Uh, race races and you mention your name everyone's like oh man that guy's the man so you're really good at endurance uh, races thank you i I really enjoy it i think the passion for it is what makes me what's your goal man tell me where you want to get oh kona 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 is my tell our listeners what kona is about kona is the iron man world championship it's hosted every year in the second weekend of october in kona hawaii and it's the best of the best from around the world. How do you get there? You have to qualify. You have to qualify at a race, which means you have to finish high enough in your age category to get a slot. Only a certain amount of slots are given per race. Normally it's one or two per age group. So you got to finish one first or second in your age group to get invited. At certain races? At any Ironman branded race. Okay. Okay. So you can have a triathlon be the same distance, but it's not an official Ironman brand race. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, absolutely. Uh, so Ironman is uh, like a circuit. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. So how how close how are you to close are yeah. you to achieving it? I'd like to say that I'm quite close to very close. It it all depends on the day. It all depends on who shows up. It all depends on the. You have to pretty much have your perfect race mm-hmm. to qualify for Kona. And I just haven't had my perfect race yet. You had, didn't, didn't you race in Houston where the weather just was insane? It started hot, cold, rainy, sleet, or something like that? It was Ironman Texas 2016. And this was race was, this was my second. second okay. This race was almost doomed before it got off the ground. Um, the bike course was short. Um, they had to remake the bike course two or three times in the month, in the weeks and months leading up to the race because of some flooding that happened in the Houston area. We started off the race and it was high 80s, low 90s, 100% humidity. Um, I come off the bike and this particular race is three loops on the run. And I was going into, I believe my, yes, it was my third loop and it starts to get cold. And for it to be cold in Texas in May, something is totally wrong. Something's off. Mother Nature doesn't know what's going on. And I see the clouds rolling in. And then I hear the claps of thunder and see the bolt of lightning. And the sky just unleashed on us. Unleashed. It was a torrential downpour. And I'm running. And I'm like, man, something is hitting me. In the, in, on my sunglasses were on top of my head because it was raining. Something is hitting me in my, and it hurts. It ended up hailing on us in the middle of May in Texas. And they actually shut the race down for about 14 minutes because of the storm. They didn't want anybody running. And I was a mile and a half from the finish line when they said, no, you have to stop. 
you have to go into this parking garage, you have to take cover. And if you know anything about running, stopping after you've done 139 miles of exercise and trying to start again is hell on your legs. Brutal. It's, it's so, back to triple meat, triple cheese. It's, it, you <laughs> know what? Call, straight to Whataburger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so, all right. We're here to motivate our listeners, giving them resources, putting them in a mindset. I, I you know, we, we started a, a fitness business ourselves, uh, and it's all, of, I think, working out, getting healthy is not a, a physical challenge. It's really a mental challenge. And I think that nobody embodies uh, that mental challenge example than an endurance athlete. And so how many, leading up to a race, when you're really gearing up, this is Jeremy, he's preparing, uh, 2018, maybe this is a year, he qualifies for Kona. How far in advance do you start training for that race, that, that branded Ironman race? I'd say about six months, six months prior. Six months prior. Six months prior. Now, is it, does the, the training get progressively harder or are you going all out uh, month one? It, it gets progressively harder. You'll you'll peak throughout your season, um, and you'll schedule warm-up races, maybe a half, maybe an Olympic distance throughout that training to where you're peaking, and you can see where you're at. It kind of gives you gives you a, a baseline of where your training has started to where your training ends. And so you'll peak and go down, peak and go down, and hopefully you've scheduled your season well enough that you peak, you're 100% peak on that, race day that you're planning to qualify at. So th there's a science behind it. There is definitely a science behind it. Okay, so give me, you know, we don't even have to be hardcore. Give me a moderate day of Ironman training. Moderate day, once I start really getting into full iron training, there's no one workout a day. There's no way to fit in all the workouts I need by just doing one workout a day. I may swim in the morning, I may oh. run in the morning, I may bike in the morning, but I'm gonna follow that up in the evening with something else. Another swim, a run if I've swam in the morning, a bike if I've run in the morning, or what have you. So you're doing two to three at workouts least, a day? At least two workouts a day. Sometimes. And how many days a week? Seven days a week. Seven days a week. Okay. <laughs> There's so many questions. I'm gonna slow down, I'm gonna try to get them all in. Uh, let's say you run in the morning. How far is that run? So during the week, usually about an hour. So you're looking anywhere from seven and a half, eight, nine, sometimes 10 miles during the week. During the week. So that hour run for you, you're running how far in that one hour? In that one hour, normally I'll get somewhere about eight, eight and a half miles. Right. Depending on the workout, depending on the time that I have because I do have a full-time job and I do have three kids at home, yeah. so. What time do you get up to, to run that one hour? Normally I set my alarm for about 4.30. 4.30, okay. So you go to work and uh, second workout of the day. Second workout of the day, if I've run in the morning, normally my workout in the evening will be a swim. So I'll get to the aquatic center sometime around 6 p.m. and hour, hour and a half swim. Um, depending on where I am in my season again. Sometimes it'll go upwards of two hours, depending on... Two hours in the pool. Two hours in the pool. Wow. What's your diet like during, uh, during your training? Diet during training, I try to follow my macros, which is my carbs, my proteins, my fats, making sure I get in enough to fuel my workouts because that's the one thing that you never want to happen. You never want to be under-fueled going into a workout because you can pretty much never recover that workout. Is the most time-consuming portion of triathlete training the bike? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so give me a, like I said, a moderate. Moderate to intense bike training session. Moderate during the week would be two to three hours. Depending on, again, depending on how far I am my that's season. That's during the week, That's right? during the week. Because you have that's... lack of time, you're working, got the kids, exactly. stuff's going on. Exactly. Okay, tell me about a weekend bike session. Weekend bike session is going to be some something more like four to five hours outside in the elements, not on the trainer and carrying all of my nutrition with me. Everything I need, I got to have with me. So, um, 
for those that, that might just be getting into tuning in, just be getting into Ironman or half Ironman Olympic training, uh, just give us a, a supplement maintenance uh, breakdown. What do you take? What uh, what type of supplements do you take? What do you put on in, in your in your bike or on you when you're running? For me, I don't drink coffee. I'm not a coffee drinker. I never have been. So pre-workouts and energy drinks are pretty much what get me out of bed in the morning, get me going. Um, while I'm on the bike, I need to have a mixture of amino acids and um, fast digesting carbs that are just going to give me the energy when I need it. And I'm prone to cramping. I sweat like crazy. So all the time I've that seen I'm you sweating, in studio, man. Yeah. I, you need we a got mop. a cleaning crew come in. You book a class, we book the cleaning crew. It's, it's all like good. my it's cleaning good. crew. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, yeah. We like don't it. make a profit on you, player. It's all good. Okay. All right. and, and. As I'm sweating, I'm losing sodium. I'm losing mag magnesium. I'm losing a lot of minerals in my body so that I'm prone to cramping. So I will have salt with me all the time. And again, like I said, carbs just to keep me going, whether it be in the form of gummies or the fluid that I put in on my bike or um, some type of bar, I'll have that kind of thing going on on my bike. Do you have a coach? I've gone through a couple of different coaches. I don't have one at the moment. Um, coaching is, is very important. I found myself learning a lot when I did have a coach. Um, I'm kind of in the off season right now. I'm not ramping up for anything here soon. So I, I broke away from my coaches for and a while. Your coaches, are they, are they, do they do everything? Do you have a running coach, a swimming coach? Do you separate them out or is it just, do they strategize the entire race for you? The coaches that I've used have done everything. They've strategized, they've planned my season, they've planned my workouts and they do all three of them. Wow. And usually you'll check in with them once a week, twice, tw uh, twice a month. Um, whatever your schedule, their schedule sees fit, but you upload your workouts to their database, whatever database they're using every day. So they see kind of where you're, where you're at. They're the one that will tell you, Hey, you need a break. Your, your numbers aren't getting better. Your stimulation isn't high enough. You need to, you need to tone it down just a little bit, give you a little week off. You know, so here at all out, we, we believe that the outliers, best performers, uh, in, in whatever the scenario is, the context is, everyone has someone they seek knowledge from, right? Someone they learn from. Uh, I read that Bill Gates reads 50 books a year uh, to, to, get, to, to, to keep that, that saw sharpened. I hear that uh, Elon Musk learned how to build rockets to launch into space from reading books. Uh, and so I, I, it's, I like that you have a coach, right? I like that no matter how good you get, you know that when, when Tiger Woods was at the top of his game or any world-class athlete, Michael Jordan, whomever, they always had someone helping them get better. Uh, so uh, something I think our listeners would, it's important mm -hmm. to hear. So, okay, mindset. Is training fun? Is it always fun? Six hours on a bike? Training is not always fun. Yeah. Not always fun. When you're four hours into a six-hour bike session on a trainer, your mind can drift anywhere and you want to be anywhere you want to be mowing the lawn you want to be cleaning a toilet you want to be doing anything else besides sitting on that bike seat and pedaling those pedals um, but to get better that's what you have to do so when my mindset going into a training session is this training session is going to put me closer to my goal and my goal is my end all that's where i want to be right. so relentless dedication to that goal relentless dedication to that goal I was like Ivan much. Drago's picture on the mirror in the bathroom. You're growing your beard out. It's Rocky Four. Rocky, baby. Us against the Soviets. <laughs> Training in the snow in Brownsville, Texas, right? The snow in Brownsville, yeah, Texas. That's where it's at. <laughs> yes. I, you know, I've run up those steps, the Rocky steps. Awesome. Sure have. That's Did awesome. Did you get a good picture? No. It was, oh. was pre-iPhone. It was like oh, the old flip man. phone. <laughs> yeah, that picture wouldn't have come out. It's mm -hmm. like disposable cameras. Yeah, you're out. You didn't have any more patience. Uh, so that's, I think, what I want to convey most, no matter who's our guest, is their why. Why they want to do it. What is so strongly burning within them that they're going to push through no matter what. Relentless dedication. And so yours is, I want to be the best I can be. And I want to continue to improve. 
I want to make it to Kona. I want to be better than yesterday. I want to be better than yesterday. So your 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 greatest opponent is that guy looking back at you in the mirror. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Because no, you can't control anyone else, right? No, you can't yeah. control who's going to show up. You can't control the day, but you can control the work you put in. So, uh, do you embrace pain? I do. Okay. I do. I think pain makes you stronger. Um, it lets you know that you're getting something out of what you're doing. That burn in your legs, you know, on race day, that burn will be there because you've trained through it. So, uh, I, I trained with you a couple times. <laughs> I tried to keep up with you. It was a moderate jog for you. You weren't even breathing heavy. And uh, I kept up for, you know, the first half of that. And I was like, ah, I'll find my way to where the finish line is. Uh, but you weren't. You weren't listening to music, man. It was a long run. It was 10 plus miles. What, what was that about? So in triathlon, you, you're not allowed to listen to music, whether it be on the bike or on the run. So I always have the mindset of, I train how I race. If I'm not gonna have music out there, why do I have music here while I'm training? Um, the what only, do you think about? Everything, anything, the color of the sky, how grateful I am to be out there, how my legs do hurt how I can't wait for that post-workout meal, yeah. um, anything. Yeah. I count. I do a lot of counting. It's funny. I do a lot of counting while I run. So, like, you yeah, count your paces? No, I, I figure out how much longer I have and how long it's going to take me, and I do a lot of math in my head. It's, it's, kind, of, it's kind of weird. Is it, yeah. when it's I like tell a people beautiful that, mind. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. I'm do you solving. have, like, imaginary people that... No one else can see running with you. No, that's just really weird. Okay, well, that's that, that's a movie. I like movies. Okay, anyway. Uh, well, it's an escape, I would imagine. It's yeah. an escape. The imaginary right? friends? No, oh, the math. You know, you, you, it takes you away from whatever pain you are feeling, and you can focus on that. you got to find something else to focus on. If it's not music or whatever other entertainment, we, you know, yeah. the... But, but what if our use. listeners like me can't do math? Because like two plus two equals jello <laughs> for me. You, you know what Christina it. does? Christina prays. Pr- that's, that's she does. Smart. She that's just right. prays yeah. over and over in her head as she's Lord, running. please make it rain in hail so they can stop this race. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to pray for you, Roscoe. Okay. All right. So you're on the trainer. We've, we've kind of t- touched on this, but I really wanted you to hit it home, right? You're on the trainer. You've been on the trainer for about four hours. Your legs hurt. Uh, your butt's sore from being in that not padded seat. Kids are coming in and they're at, out of the room because they only respect the fact that you're training for about 10 minutes, right? How do you overcome the nagging desire to stop? What is your why? Like the true why. I know you mean be better but than the last day, but like I want to do what? Is it Kona? Is it winning? Is it podium? Is it medals? Is it it's 100% my biggest fear. My biggest fear, and it's my biggest fear for as long as I can remember, is failure. And I know if I give up now, what's to say I won't give up in the race? And giving up to me is failure. And that would be the worst outcome of any race that I enter, or any race that I start, is failing. Let me ask you, you ever think back to, I remember this time, uh, and use that as fuel? Absolutely. Now, when I say this time, I'm pointing at his phone uh, when he showed us a picture of um, being not fit back in college. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I never want to see that face looking back at me again because I know, I know that that face can't take me to the end of a full iron. I know that face can't take me to Kona. I know that body can't take me to Kona. So I never want to see that face looking at me again. So, you know, I I grew up struggling with weight. I grew up not athletic. Uh, I had my heart broken many, many times, uh, which I'm glad because I had I ended up with any uh, of those women. I would be miserable today. Thank God I uh, I married who I married. But some days it's fear that motivates me. Some days I'm just happy and I'm dancing around. Some days I'm angry. But what I try to tell folks that, that we help at our gym is... Whatever it is, use it as fuel. It might, you know, you know just get mad. Throw on some M&M on the way uh, to, to work out. Eight mile, you know, bobbing your head, getting ready, you know. But whatever it is, turn it into fuel. I, I think that that ha- has, you know, sometimes my wife thinks I'm crazy. 
but I'll pump my chest and I grin my teeth and I'm going to get through that workout. You know? Whatever gets you started, whatever gets you motivated, harness it, yeah. use it. So, um, have you been, the lessons you've learned from being disciplined, the lessons you've learned from the commitment you've had to show uh, a display to get to where you are today, as competitive as you are in, in endurance racing, has that translated to other areas of your life? Oh, 100%. I think the most that is translated to is I am way more patient now than I was before because sitting on a bike seat for that many hours, you have to be patient. It doesn't call, um, call excuse me, it doesn't all come at once. You're not going to immediately go from mile zero to mile 112. It's going to take some time to get there. So being patient in my everyday life, I think has come out of training and being disciplined and understanding that it it takes a while so being patient i think is my biggest takeaway from the discipline that i've put in well and on that same um topic i've seen some pictures i've heard stories about falling off bicycles or uh having an injury or having a setback you know how do you i'm sure that's extremely discouraging how do you what kind of mindset do you have to be in to say, okay, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to recover and get back at it, or I'm going to have to step out of this race after I've trained for months and come back to the next race? What do you do to make sure you stay motivated? That's one of the hardest parts is coming into something you've worked so hard for and being injured. You just know that your body will heal. You will be back out there. And you do as much as you can in the meantime to make sure your mind stays healthy and your body stays healthy, whether that be coming off of running injury and being able to swim, coming off of a bike injury and just being able to stretch or rest or do yoga or read a book, read a book that burns that passion inside you again. And YouTube, YouTube's great. YouTube. There's a lot, uh, YouTube five minute uh, videos uh, you can look up and uh, I, I think that it's a great resource you put up motivation workout on YouTube you'll you'll have there's a video on YouTube that I made from the 2016 Ironman Texas that a bunch of a bunch of us triathletes trained for together we raced it together and I, I play that video over and over again sometimes just to get that fire stoked again awesome. so you know in fitness I've heard it all, but the number one objection that I get is I just don't have time to work out. What would you tell someone uh, that, you know, you did it, you, you know, you're obviously a very busy guy, you, you, you've just breezed over that you're a federal agent, but that, that's intense work. Uh, three kids, you know, living the life, this is heavy lifting, you have young kids, you're training sometimes six hours what do you tell someone who's like, no, I don't have 45 minutes to work out? That's the lamest excuse that I can ever hear. You can carve out time to take care of your body because you only get one and you only get one lifetime to live it in. So carve out 10 minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes. Walk to the stop sign and back. Anything, Walk to right? the stop sign and back. Yeah. Get up out of your chair while you're sitting in front of your keyboard at work. Stretch. Walk around the office. Don't drive up through the drive-thru, get off the car, walk inside. Anything, anything that gets you moving and out of that sedentary lifestyle is a win. So whether that's, again, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, an hour, whatever it is, you can carve it out of your day. You can find it. Um, that, that's, what I, that's what I would tell them is that yeah. having no time is absolutely right. the worst excuse you can give me. There's 24 hours in every single day. Yeah. I saw something that said, um, stop saying I don't have time to exercise and start saying I haven't prioritized my exercise. Exactly. Because you have time to do, you know, 12 out, you have 12 hours of waking time during the day or more, uh, you know, you fit all kinds of things into. So You've just deprioritized it. And so if you say that to yourself, you realize that you could make it a priority. And how, how are you supposed to be good for your children or your siblings or your parents or your coworkers if you haven't taken the time to invest in yourself, 
invest in your, whether it be your physical well-being or your mental well-being. You're no good to anybody if your cup isn't full. So take the time to fill your cup. Yeah, I, I, I'm blessed. I seem to be a beacon for people who are needing a little encouragement, going through a tough time in their life. And I usually tell them the very first thing they should do is get in shape, right? It's a, uh, a doable thing. It's common sense. Start exercising, eating better, and it'll give you a tremendous, not only sense of accomplishment, but energy. Everything flows. When I am working out, when I am fit, I want to go on dates with my wife. I want to go and play with the kids at the park. I'm more motivated to want to travel or shop or do all these things. It all flows from feeling good about myself. I'm more productive at work. I'm a happier, patient person. People ask me, why do you have so much energy? I say, I feel great. I feel great. 4.30 in the morning, I'm dancing in the lobby of our studio because I feel great. And it all stems from that regimented uh, workout routine. Um, so another thing that I, I hear is, oh, it doesn't matter how much I, I work out and exercise and eat right. Uh, I don't lose any weight. What would you tell someone who? It's all about consistency. A lot of times when I hear that, it's coming off of someone who's just talked about whatever fad diet that has failed them. The grapefruit diet. Yeah. The, this They've been diet, working out the, six weeks diet. and it just hasn't worked out yet. Exactly. Yeah. It takes time. You have to be patient, but you also have to be consistent. You can't go to the gym on a Monday and expect results on Wednesday. It takes time. It takes patience. And you just have to give it your all. You have to give it that however long you see fit to see some of the results. You know, um, let me just say this because I, I don't want to get political here. So I'm, I'm going to give an example of a Democrat and Republican. So Barack Obama has spoke uh, multiple times about what making exercise a priority. He slept five hours a day during his presidency and he worked out six days a week. All eight years he was in office. I just heard George W. Bush spoke and they said, well, what, what was one of the reasons you were able to be so productive and so dedicated during your presidency? I swear to you, he said, it's because I made fitness a priority and I worked out every day of my presidency or I did something physical. Uh, one of the people I follow, Richard Branson, Virgin Airlines, uh, Virgin Records, uh, they asked him, what is the key to your success? And he says, diet and exercise. He didn't say commitment to working 12 hours a day and honing my craft as a businessman. He said diet and exercise is what took him from poverty to billionaire status, owning his own island. So what I would say is, you know, some of the, the, the most accomplished people, Malcolm Gladwell, all these incredible people, uh, their key to their success, they attribute to diet and exercise. So, And what, I would agree. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I take from other podcasters, people like Tim Ferriss, uh, who've paved the way for up and comers like us is they ask, uh, folks that they interview about books they like about different things that hopefully will inspire someone to get on Amazon and order something tell me about a book that you would recommend one book I would definitely recommend is one called how bad do you want it mastering the psychology of mind over muscle this is written by Matt Fitzgerald and he is an endurance athlete himself and he took the mindset aspect of working out and he studied it from Siri Lindley, the triathlete, to some of the cyclists that ride in the Tour de France, and that there's something to be said about your mindset over what your body can produce. And that uh, some of the, the thoughts in that book just rang home to me that when your legs are burning in a race and you're trying to pass that one guy that's in front of you, that your mindset has more to do with if you pass them or not than the strength in your legs. Um, that's one. And another would be actually one that you recommended, Living with a Seal by Jesse Itzler. When you talk about committing to something, that is the 100% view of committing yourself to something. This guy hires an ex-Navy SEAL to come and live with him for a month, and the SEAL had free reign. Whatever the SEAL told him to do, he did. Fantastic book. Fantastic read. Yeah, I love that book. It's entertaining. It's funny. Uh, it it um, 
really goes into what it takes to to be committed and be successful uh, and and you know be be all out right all out living. So hey Jamie, I mean we're wrapping up. This is a great time. Jeremy, thank you for making time. You're a busy guy. I'm sure you're gonna run home in the rain and the cold. Uh, uh, you know, with, with pulling your 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 vehicle uh, with a rope because you're an Iron Man. But unless this beautiful lady sitting across from me has any questions, no, man, I'm I just, just thank, thank you. you so much for being here. I love that we had uh, our first guest was somebody local, a local celebrity, I would say. And I just think that uh, you know you set a great example for for the people down here, and and you know hopefully this will help people get motivated to get fit. Well, thank you guys for having me. I, this was fun, and I really. Thank you guys for asking me to be a part of it. Just a little teaser. Uh, next week, we're going to be interviewing a, a gentleman here from South Texas who competes very successfully on American Ninja Warrior. So uh, young man, Abel, out of Edinburgh, Texas, uh, incredible guy, has taken the success he has uh, achieved with on TV uh, it was an obscure show. I, I just want—I have to brag a little bit because I was watching it on G4 before it was even a big deal, and they were competing in Japan, and my wife thought I was crazy, and nobody would ever like it. Now it's mainstream. You know, I'm right once at least. Uh, so yeah, Abel, next week, buddy. Look forward to hearing hearing you or having you on the podcast. Everybody, this is Eddie signing out. Remember, always live all out. Thanks for tuning in. Just reminding you, please. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram. You can get all the information about our podcast, our blog, our YouTube channel at our website at alloutliving.net. Thank you.